Hey, this is Gerds Handel, and welcome to the Inner Light Project. This show is for anyone who's wanting to lead a happier, healthier, and enlightened life. Create more self-love, inject more joy and abundance into their daily life. Join me for inspiring interviews and spiritual topics so you can shine your inner light. Hello and welcome to the Inner Light Project. My name is Gerds Hundle and today I want to share with you two people who are helping people to heal from trauma and grief. Shelley Buck never imagined her son Ryder would pass away due to a traffic accident just a few months after beating cancer. She never imagined her husband Chris, the director of Disney's Frozen, would end up creating Ryder as a cartoon character in the sequel. The pain for Shelley was unbearable and without her lifelong best friend Kathy Kersis, she never would have made it through. Together they wrote Ryder's memoir, Leave Your Light On. Shelley and Kathy, I'm so grateful to have you both on the show and thank you for joining us in this space today. Oh, thank you for having us. That's great to be here. Thank you. Oh, bless you. Both of you. I just feel like this is going to be a very powerful interview today and I'd love to just start about how you both met and what was your life, both of you, before before um, Rinder passed away? Well, we go way back. Um, my family moved to the Chicago area when I was in the seventh grade, and we happened to move onto the block that Shelley's family lived on. And my uh, dad told me on the way there, you know, we found out there's a girl your age on our block. You'll have someone that you can hang out with. <laughs> and so we moved in and, and it was a little traumatic, you know, I, and moving when you're young like that is, is, uh, it's hard. But so I waited, I don't know, three or four days thinking that she might come over and welcome me. <laughs> that did not happen. <laughs> but I saw my their house and um her mom took me up to Shelly's bedroom and you know I I this is a really keen memory for me Shelly was sitting on this low chair in her bedroom reading the hobbit and I had not picked up reading yet I just my family didn't have a lot of books around and so she's reading and she's reading a book I've never heard of. And, you know, but it was a picture of Shelley and all the magic that lives inside of her and has from, you know, before I met her, but definitely at the age of 12, she was already kind of bubbling with this um, magical view of life. And she told me all about the book, but we just instantly bonded and, um, and that's a really wonderful feeling in your life to have someone like that, that we've been best friends all throughout life. And so wow. when um, my family actually moved again right before we graduated from high school, but Shelly and I both went to college in our separate states and then she moved to California to pursue her her life of magic working for Disney. That was her dream. Wow. And I went into 
a line of work. I was in corporate marketing, so I was always involved wow. in helping stories tell their or helping companies tell package and tell their stories in the best imaginable way to really pull people in. But then I also developed a kind of a sideline gig um, where I taught people to tap into their creativity when they were going through any kind of an emotional crisis or physical or whatever it might be that not only do you need an outlet during those times, but creative like writing or, or producing art or doing anything that's actually focused on that crisis will just open you up to insights and uh, wisdom in, in a really great way. So I was doing both of those things. And um, so then when Ryder was diagnosed with cancer and everything really started with Shelly and her family, I had this background of um, working with people in a creative way, but also I had done a major chapter on grief in my life. And so I'm going to turn this over to Shelly, and I'll come back to that in a moment because I really want people to get to know Ryder. <laughs> oh, sure. <laughs> well, um, Ryder, Ryder was my firstborn son of three, and he came into the world this old soul. He was he was calm. He was introspective when he got a little older. But even as a baby, he reacted to my exuberant energy in a way that just kind of said, chill, mom. You know, from the very beginning when he was in the crib, he would recoil at my bright good morning, you know. And so... I knew I had to change for this child. He was not what I expected when I had a boy. And um, and it was a struggle uh, to calm myself down. But, um, you know, we grew up together, and uh, I probably made the biggest changes um, when he was going through cancer. He was 22 when he was diagnosed, and we... Um, I spent every day with him at the hospital when he was inpatient, and I learned to read him and know when he needed uh, solitude and how to deliver the doctor's information to him because he didn't really want to hear it. So mm -hmm. I had to uh, lightly and gently and almost furtively get the information to him. Um, we went through, uh, he was, he was wild. In his, in his weeks off, he would be inpatient for one week where I knew where he was and everything was calm. And then he would be outpatient for two weeks. And the minute he felt well enough, he was off and running. Um, he found his own exuberance as he grew up and he went camping. He went up the coast to concerts. He went surfing, uh, hiking, all of these things kind of, you know, outside the scope of the doctor's protocol. Uh, you know, I worried about rattlesnakes and sharks and just him uh, being outside overnight because, you know, his white blood cell counts were low and um, he could easily get, you know, complications 
um, that would make his treatment difficult. So uh, I learned to breathe deeply, say a little prayer as he left the house, and let him go. You know, the first doctor I talked to said, you're going to have to let him be a man and find his own way through this. And that was a tall order for me. Mm-hmm. But, um, yeah, that was that was how the treatment went. Wow. I guess as a mother as well, like no matter how old your child is, you still want to make sure they're nurtured and they're protected and that they're they're safe, right? Yeah, absolutely. We changed the diets in the household to make them, you know, cancer compliant and um, mostly through my own uh, research because the doctor and his staff really didn't prescribe anything in particular. They just wanted calories in him. Mm-hmm. And, you know, he was a strapping young man. That was not a problem. It was what he was eating that was the issue. So we worked hard to keep the refrigerator stocked with really healthy foods, keep sugars at a low. And, you know, he'd come home with a bag of fast food. <laughs> and, you know, but he demanded of me that I keep the menus absolutely compliant. And um, so, again, we were... We were at loggerheads um, periodically throughout that throughout that journey. Wow. I guess I, from what I'm picturing, Ryder, as he was a very free spirit who he just wanted to live life and just live it to the fullest. Absolutely. And the cancer brought that home. I mean, mm. he had already he had already launched into his musical career and was studying um, studying guitar and uh writing music and lyrics um, at a school in Hollywood um, when he was diagnosed. So he already had formed a band and they were doing gigs all over the L.A. area. Um, So that was something else he did in between his treatments was he kept his he kept his fan base entertained and it was growing all the time. Um, And I think the music had a lot to do with his um, healing. Mm. He needed it spiritually. So that was where he dove in and really learned to express himself. He wrote songs um, while he was in the hospital and um, studied other musicians that he really admired, and that comes into play later. Um, He had a favorite band, and ultimately he got to meet them all um, and speak at one of their concerts. So um, he made his dreams come true while he was while he was going through this really hard time. Wow! It sounds to me like the creativity that you had in Disney—it's like his creativity was in music. So it was like that was his way of just being free and just being present. Right. Yeah, we encouraged our boys to follow their hearts and whatever that meant, and they all ended up being performers. Wow. Um, yeah, it was, you know, where I had friends who were trying to discourage the arts because mm-hmm. who can make money in the arts? Well, you know, people can and they do, but that wasn't our focus. Our focus was for them to find their passion and follow it. Wow. So, so Ryder had cancer, and then he pa- how did he pass away? Oh, 
Well, he was cleared of the cancer about nine months after he started treatment, and they, you know, pronounced him clear and said, you're good to go. We'll see you in six months. And um, wow. he, uh, you know, he continued on with um, performances. And then in the middle of that summer, he went um, to Bali to study music and the culture there um, wow. with, with a college group. And that was, oh, my gosh, that changed him so much. It just made him more who he was becoming, more spiritual, more serene, more meditative, um, deeper, um, observant, even more than he had been, uh, compassionate. Um, He just really, really grew through that month. And um, that was the month of July, and I'm giving you a timeline because he lived another few months and um, was his car broke down on the side of the freeway and he was walking home in the middle of the night in a dark, dark fog with no lights and he was hit by two cars. (gasps) Hmm. Wow. That was at the end of October. So we had him for about six months, cancer free. Hmm. Gosh does make you think that life is really short and you should really just do what you're here to do right like whatever your gift is whatever your passion is you should just follow it no matter what right grab every moment he always said be in the moment mom if you're washing the dishes appreciate it i'm like yeah i appreciate it if you wash the dishes (laughs) (laughs) yeah he definitely sounds like an old soul i can feel it he has an old soul vibe about him (laughs) Wow. I really do relate with what you what um you were saying about Ryder when that like, he had cancer. I had a cancer scare, but the cancer scare actually woke me up. Um like I remember sat in the hospital. I was one of these people that just did everything alone. I refused to like ask for help in that oh. I call it my old life now. <laughs> um and I remember when the doctor said that we misdiagnosed you and I just literally cried and ran out of the hospital and I heard a voice say, It's time to heal. And I I didn't know where that voice was coming from. I I didn't realize actually it was in my intuition and it was something higher than what I knew. And from that moment, I just kind of like Ryder, I just lived my life. I did everything and anything I could think of. Um, I left the journalism world. I went and taught young people. I spoke on stages, like did anything like Daredevil, like walked on fire. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. (laughs) Yeah, broke, uh, broke boards with my hands, arrows in my throat, you name it. And it really did make me, I guess, free. I think I came back to my inner child. I think sometimes we're too busy trying to grow up so quick to get a good job, good education, that we really don't allow that inner child to play every single day. And that was my biggest gift, was learning to just be free. And unfortunately, it took me to have and um, I ended up working hard again. <laughs> um, I ended up like having a coach's bu- business, but then I had um, kidney disease. So I actually had a kidney operation. And again, I had to learn to slow down, but also mm-hmm. enjoy the the present moment, like Ryder is saying. And I think the key of what I'm hearing is that life, live life the way you want to. We shouldn't follow what society thinks we need to be. We really need to just trust mm-hmm. what our heart wants and that there's no wrong or right way about it. Right. Absolutely. You know, that as you've been talking, I've been thinking about all these, you know, glimpses of writer that um, 
having worked on the book with Shelley, you know, he did what a lot of people have never learned how to do, which is to put boundaries up so that they can fully live, you know, and have that kind of not just freedom to act, but freedom to express emotionally, to be who they are. And, you know, he he was stubborn (laughs) and he was delightful. And so that, that combination <laughs> was um, part of the light that, you know, ended up becoming the title of not only the first song he wrote, but the book that we wrote about him, because it just it's just really dovetailing well with your own story. I'm just I'm so moved. Oh, wow. <laughs> Gosh. Yeah. Well, I think it's I think because I'm quite close to the age of Ryder as well. I'm actually I'm. I'm an eight late eighties baby. Um, so I, uh-huh. I relate to a lot of what Ryder's saying. Um, however, with me, I did have a lot of health problems growing up and I think I kept ignoring the signs and mm-hmm. it was, in, it wasn't until they said like when I was misdiagnosed, but during that process, I think that just made me realize that if I don't live my life now, when will I? And I think that's what Ryder was always doing, but what it sounds to me. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm he wasn't afraid no matter what he just wanted to live life even if he had the worst case scenario he's just like I just need to live life to the fullest that was that was exactly what he was doing and he did it every day he inspired other people to do it there were people that he met who were in the darkest despair you know they were young people but they were facing you know difficulties and he by living who he was showed them a way out of it. You know, he did some Mm. talking, but he wasn't a counselor. But, you know, he just set an example for joy and loving life and finding the good in people. And um, he made some major changes in several people's lives. Wow. He sounds like a special soul. Absolutely. Yeah. I'm curious, actually, when when is his birthday? (laughs) Oh, June 30th, 1990. Oh, so he's a cancer sign. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, they're very intuitive. Very, oh, yeah, cancer signs are very, they have this wisdom within them and they're very intuitive in how people are feeling and they will say things that you wouldn't really necessarily think about. So, like, saying to you, like, you need to be present in the moment, that that sounds like, right. yeah. Wow. Kathy's a cancer, too. Oh, wow. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, thank you for saying we're intuitive because we are. <laughs> Yeah, my mom's actually the same sign as well. So like, growing up with an intuitive mom who didn't realize that that she had a very sensitivity, I, I learned a lot from her growing up. Yeah, very curious people you are. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Yeah, gosh, wow. And so like, so I want to take back. I want to go back to the story. So the accident happened. So when do you actually find out, um, Shelley, that he passes away? Is it very soon or is it? Well, he was walking home, and it was about 5.30 in the morning um, before the sun was up. And uh, about 8 o'clock that morning, the police came to my door, the highway patrol, and they said, you know, your son's been in an accident. We're here to take you to the hospital. I said, how is he? And they said, we don't know. You know, we're just here to take you to the hospital. Um, Well, they were probably the same police officers who um, were at the scene. Uh, 
I, I don't know. But um, the only other person home was my youngest son. My husband was in New York and um, doing publicity on Frozen. And my middle son was away at school in Michigan. Actually, he was in he was in Europe in a, on a semester abroad. So I we went. My youngest son and I went to the hospital and waited a couple of hours until the surgeon came out and went through all the ways Ryder was injured. You know, and I kept thinking, well, we've been through cancer. We'll survive this one. We're gonna. Mm. There's another healing journey ahead of us, and then he dropped the bomb um, that Ryder hadn't made it. Wow. Um, Yeah, that was a really surreal um, out-of-body experience. Uh, I, you know, I was so out of my mind, I called my husband and said, now, you can stay and finish your publicity. (laughs) It's like, oh my gosh. You're out of your mind. You know, I was being pragmatic. Mm. Um, and I had my son there who was 16 and couldn't think about how he felt. These are his words. Um, because he knew he had to be the strong one for me. Mm. And, you know, of course, I fell apart. Um, yeah. Yeah. So that was that was really tough. Everybody came home and we were together. Of course, but um, uh, yeah, yeah. I, I think grief is very—it's a—it's a difficult process, and especially you know, it's your child. You never think it's going to be that way, right? You always think it's right. going to be the other way around, and right. Like, but I do understand with grief. It's like I've had quite a lot of people pass away in my family, and the first biggest one was my grandma, and kind of like what you said to your husband, they kind of just carried on. Like I had, mm-hmm. I, I had like meetings, and I carried on doing the meetings even though I like I'd known my grandma passed away, um, and I think people don't realise that it's so important to grieve, because um, I didn't, I actually didn't grieve my grandma enough fully until after my operation when my uncle passed away, and mm. my grief just hit me like I had no choice but to just deal with it all, and I think people. We shouldn't feel bad for grieving. I feel like sometimes we ha- we think that we need to put on a front to make sure everybody else is okay, but really, mm-hmm. we just need to let it flow. Whether you know it's crying, whether it's 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 happy, whether it's sad, we should really let it flow. And I and, and I know with my own healing journey that grief is important. It's really important to just feel what you're feeling and just let like whatever you're feeling come out. And I'm sure Shelley, um, sorry Kathy, this is where you came in to help. Shelley. Well, it it wasn't immediate. Um, she she had been doing a, a journal online on CaringBridge, which allowed her to communicate with all of her you know really close connections that had been through the cancer and had been reading about you know how that was going. And so after um, Ryder passed. She continued to do that. And, of course, you know, we talked on the phone. I live a long way away from her, and so we talked by phone. But one thing I will say about Shelly is that she she did not hold back her feelings, and they were deep, and they were raw, and they were Mm. frightening, not only 
well, they were frightening to me because I knew how deeply she feels everything and how close she and Ryder were. And, you know, there were, she even told me multiple times that she really didn't want to live anymore. And wow, I know her to be um, pragmatic enough <laughs> and, and equally stubborn as Ryder. But she wouldn't have, she wouldn't have, you know, followed through with anything. But that was how she felt and she was very open about it. Mm. But, um, you know, I'm gonna, I'm gonna backtrack a little bit into my life because, um, if there's a really important piece of it that, that prepared me for what was ahead with Shelly. And that is after my several years of, of helping people, come through oh my gosh cancer uh aids heart disease um domestic violence wow like the the range of issues that i had worked with people through these creativity programs that i offered and they were a combination of writing and art and just basically going on the journey into that issue and learning from it and you know, healing emotionally and getting insights about how to move forward. So um, about five years after I started doing that, my mother was diagnosed with cancer and two and a half months later was gone. And my mom and I had uh, written to one another, you know, in regular mail, it was before email. But we just wrote letters to each other because we lived apart and we just both loved going to the mailbox <laughs> and finding a letter there. It was just kind of our, our thing. And so um, after she passed, I I was like you. I had never felt the grief I felt with her loss. I just it was a deeper emotion than I had ever felt. Mm-hmm. And it it didn't go away. And. Finally, I just kind of took my own medicine and I began to work through the grief by writing. But I wrote to my mom and I imagined with all my heart and soul that she was hearing me. Mm -hmm. And it was a really, you know, cathartic effort because there were so many things that I really didn't get to talk with my mom about as she was heading into, you know, the final days of her life. And I want, I just wanted so badly to share my heart with her. So I did that. And then for, for a long period of time, I kept feeling like I wasn't done writing. And it finally through a series of, of, um, kind of synchronistic happenings, I, I got the feeling she wanted to write me back. And I, figured out how to get out of my own way and allow that to happen, whatever it meant, however, you know, I just, whatever came to me and through me, I allowed it to flow. And so I, I completely eliminated my grief and I forged this connection with her spirit. And none of this was anything I had a preconception about. I didn't, go into it thinking that would happen but it was profound what happened to me through that writing and so I published a book about with that particular writing story in it and I just put it out there 
because I knew that I was allowing myself to see death and to see the ongoing nature of our spirit in a out-of-the-box way. Mm. And I thought there might be other people that would be encouraged by that. So I I self-published my book and I developed a writing program that really kind of followed what I had done. And I started offering it in a variety of different locations, hospitals and hospice centers. And I mean, you name it, I just wherever they would have me, I went. (laughs) And people were so very hungry to Hmm. not only deal with their grief in that way, but they were hungry to talk about how they knew their loved one was still there. Like mm. spiritual component of it. So this has all happened years before Ryder passed. So by the time that happened, I could not have felt more equipped to step in and help Shelly not only try to deal with the grief in, in her own way, you know, to support her through that. But then when um, she decided to write a book, I had already written my own book. I had been writing books for other people. And Mm -hmm. so it's like, I don't know. I think God just put me on a path that prepared me to show up at Shelly's door and go, all right, here I am. Let me help. And that's what happened. That's beautiful. Yeah. Wow. That's, yeah. Gosh, <laughs> I really understand what you're saying with the writing pen's paper. It, it, it's so powerful, and I really do understand what you're saying. I've literally just like been nodding throughout what you, everything you've been saying. Because <laughs> um, with my grandma, I I often talk to her now, and and I'll ask her for her wisdom or advice. And sometimes I'll see her in like a squirrel, or I'll see her in a robin. And I'll be like, "Oh, you're here today, Grandma. What's happening?" Or yeah. and it, it's so beautiful, right? It's just so beautiful to just have that connection. Because yeah. um, I really did struggle with my grandma because I was very close to her, and she was the only grandma that I had. To be yeah. honest, my my father's mum I never really met, um, but talking to her it's very because it's very different in my background um I'm actually Indian so when somebody passes away um you don't you you don't have a coffin they're cremated so you know you don't ever have an an experience to actually go visit them right so it's that feeling of like how do you talk to them (laughs) if they're not if they're not physically there somewhere so for me I always struggled with that grief process because it's like well where are they now I don't know where they are. So when I, I finally started to talk to my grandma was actually when my uncle passed away and she spoke to me. And then like yourself, um, Kathy, I started writing and I said, what are you trying to tell me? And she'd like tell me things as I was writing. Like it wasn't really me writing. It was almost I know. her. It's hard to explain. It's 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 yeah, I, I really understand it. It's, it's crazy, but it it's not even crazy. It's just it's powerful. I, I don't even know what the words are to put it, but it's so weird I, when you write. Yeah. It's really, it's really hard to talk about it and put it into words, but the the big shock for me was, um, and this was about 14 years ago, that, that people were, they were really, really hungry to Mm. share and to be in a space where this is what we were talking about. This is what we were, you know, really focused on helping them make that connection 
because that changes you. Yeah. It, it takes the grief and it just transforms it into, it's almost like it isn't that it's unnecessary because I think that's a little bit harsh, but it, again, I fail at words, you know, to describe it, but you know, Shelly had always believed in the afterlife and she had a very open mind and a very open heart. But, you know, the grief still has to take its its path yeah. toward resolution and toward healing. And she did a lot of, and I'd love to hear her talk about this, she did a lot of really out-of-the-box type of things, but they were what led her to the light that Ryder had shown all his life. She figured out how to find it again in the darkness of her grief tunnel, so Shelley. <laughs> yes. Well, you know, it's it started out um shortly after Ryder passed. I I was in touch with a medium um who had known him in life to some degree and had even had a dream that a young man, she and her sisters were going to be mourning a young man wow. at one sister's wedding. And it just so happened, and, and the letters RB came into the dream, and she had no inkling that it would be connected to Ryder Buck. But, in fact, she and her sister, who was a best friend of Ryder, were at their own sister's wedding the weekend of his service. So I I spoke to her a lot for about a year and a half or two years, and Ryder would come through, and I lived for that. I mean, it would give me, um, it would lift me up and give me a connection to him, mm -hmm. and, you know, it would last, oh, several days, and then I would be back in the depths of my despair. Um, he also sent messages through a friend who received them like a fax in her sleep, woke up, transcribed them and sent them to me in the morning. And one of the songs in, well, yeah, there's a song in Leave Your Light On in the book that um, he sent after he'd passed. And his bandmate put music to it. It's on his last CD, um, but it's, it's published in the book. And... Um, there were so many signs, and he continues to reach out, and I am so, so grateful um, because that has been my lifeline. And he even said uh, after he passed, Mom, write my story. Ooh. And that, that was the thing that took me over the brink. I had been I had been encouraged by people who were reading my journal to write a book, and I said, oh, yeah, yeah. Too much, you know, too much, too overwhelming, mm -hmm. um, maybe one day. And then Ryder came through, and I went, okay, now's the time. I can't deny him anything, and um, Kathy and I started out. Wow. <laughs> and that's a funny story, too, if you want to hear it. She, so after everything I've just told you about my background and what I've done with my life and all that, She's she's encouraged um, by 
a contact of hers in L.A. to turn the book from the journal, the sort of linear, here's what happened and here's what happened and here's, you know, all that, into more of a narrative. And she called me one day and said, oh, my God, he thinks that I need to tr- get a ghostwriter because he doesn't, he thinks it needs to be a narrative, more of a story about writer. And I don't even know where to begin. Like, do I just like, what am I going to do? Am I going to have to go to New York City to find a writer? Blah, 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 blah. And I was sitting on the other end of the phone thinking, well, surely she thought of me. <laughs> and if she did, <laughs> she didn't want to work with me. I don't want to bring it up. But I finally said, well, uh, what about me? And she screamed into the phone and, and was like, oh, my God, I'm staring right at it and I can't see it. So uh, we were off and running like within a day. I think it was yeah. it was very quick. We started to work on the phone every single day for two years. We worked by phone. We had a shared document online where we could both do editing and writing and um, it was a profound journey and I, I think an extended part of her healing too. Oh, absolutely. It was so, so cathartic and so healing. I mean, to tell the stories again, to put it together into, um, a, to a, a story that, um, people could take and digest and it wasn't as dry as a journal, but it had all the same it had all the same heart and light that Ryder lived by. Mm -hmm. Um, And, you know, Kathy brought that out and, you know, we just, uh, it was a match made in heaven. I could feel his energy in the book. And there were moments where I had to like pause um, because I could feel his bright light. I I don't know how to explain it, but there was this energy around the book that I've never felt before with other books. Um, Mm -hmm. And I felt it really strongly. And I was just going to say, actually, um, to both of you, I could feel even now, like, I can feel Ryder's energy, like, and I can see, like, I can feel it, like he's next to Shelley as well. Um, he has a, oh, I don't know how to put my, I, I'm a bit, like, gobsmacked right now. <laughs> um, well, that's, I, I'm how, this is exciting, really, to hear you say that, because he, he is a profound presence, and he was there... Yeah. He was there through the writing of the book. He's still there. As Shelley said, we both, you know, she's with him, I'm sure, more than I am. But I I feel him around mm. profoundly at times. And he's, you know, everything from encouraging and loving and compassionate to just ornery. And um, just, he. I just love his personality. I love when he shows up. <laughs> <laughs> if, I feel like he's sat here with us all. And just is like leading everyone, like, come on. <laughs> yeah. Of course, because he loves when he's the topic of conversation. <laughs> oh, bless him. <laughs> um, yeah, I would love to know more about the book. So could you like let the listeners know, like, so you created the book. What's it fully about for somebody who hasn't read it right now? Well, it's about writer's light and and what he brought to the world. Um, it starts with his youth and carries on through his growing up into his cancer journey and then 
Um, the turning point in the book is when he passed. And then we go on into his afterlife and my relationship with him, um, both during his life and after he passed. Um, but it, it really, like you said, it carries his spirit and that lightness of being that um, he brought to the world and to all the people he knew. Um, it's called Leave Your Light On, the first song he ever wrote. And I think he knew the path he was on when he picked up his guitar. Wow. Gosh, wow. And he started really young, didn't he, with playing the guitar? Actually, he started um, in the middle of high school. He oh. he started playing, you know, guitar video games. And then we finally got him a guitar, and he just dove into it. He took a couple of lessons, you know, for a few months, and then learned to um, teach himself and print out the the chords and so on and uh then he finally started studying at, at Musicians Institute in Hollywood and um that was when he just took off. He was not afraid of anything and he gathered people to him because he was a magnet mm-hmm. um in life, you know, and uh and so he put together a band. He he's scheduled probably biweekly um, jams at the beach, you know, where they'd have a big bonfire and everybody would come with an instrument and they'd all just play and sing and sing his music. And um, I've got some video of that, which is really a treasure to me. Um, wow. Yeah, he just he just really took off with it. But it wasn't until late in high school. Wow. In fact, he said to me once when he was getting ready to go away to college, um, Mom, I don't know what I'm going to do with my life. And I said, oh, honey, go look in the mirror. It's strapped to your back. <laughs> because he never went anywhere without his guitar. Wow. So, yeah, that was an epiphany for him. And I think that was the permission he needed to just go for it. it sounds like he was a born healer. Yes, yes. Not that he didn't um, create his own injuries with his brothers, but (laughs) (laughs) Um, he was ornery. Uh, You know, I don't want to make him out to be an angel, though that's what we've been doing. But he was he was mischievous (laughs) and, uh, you know, did things to irritate them and just for the sake of it. just to humor himself, but uh, but they had they did have pretty good relationships. I mean, I never saw them fight physically. It was always just mental gymnastics. <laughs> Guess what? Every sibling does to each other, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, we we're coming towards the end of the show. I've just got a few more questions left. And um, the first one is, what if from both of you? What are your five top tips for someone? Who kind of wants to shine that inner light, but they don't really know where to start. Go ahead, Kat. Uh, well, that's a that's worthy of a whole hour right there. But you know, <laughs> honestly, uh, it kind of goes back to what you were talking about earlier with when you were going through grief and learning how you know we're taught to just 
push everything kind of under the carpet. We're, we're supposed to just, you know, carry on. And, and I think that we have an entire heart full of, you know, feelings and love and passions and information. And, and we've lost touch with our heart because of just the way that we've, you know, been, I don't know, brought up or we have a focus on fitting into this, you know, box of having the job and, and finding the relationship and doing all the kind of things that we, we know somehow we have to do to, to make our lives work. But it's just, you know, getting in touch with your heart. And there are so many ways to do that. You can write, you can, um, Go for a walk and allow your heart to just lead you where you're going. You can put your hands on your heart and breathe into it and feel yourself coming up and waking up and feeling and lighting up. So there's some really simple things that you can do, but the point is do them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and finding your passion, whether it's, a hobby that you have that just that you love that lights you up throw yourself into that and find that place where you kind of you feel that bliss that you felt when you were a child more frequently than we do as adults because like Kathy said we learn to push things away be pragmatic in the world do the tough stuff um but finding what what really um lights you up is, is and and then following it is the way to turn that light back on. I mean, I certainly had to find that after Ryder passed. Uh, I never thought I'd find my light again. And wow. yeah, and that's With, been a for, for me. Yeah. That's been like a revelation to watch it coming back on because I've only ever known Shelley to be an extremely bright light. And so watching that dim and go out for a while was just really tough. But she followed her heart. She followed, you know, the things that mattered to her, she followed. She did them. She didn't care what other people thought. And they led her back to this glowing ember that's now on pretty much all the time. (laughs) Oh, that's beautiful. And what, what are you both most grateful for? Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm grateful for the the light my boys bring to my life. Um, I'm grateful the contact I still have with Ryder. Um, that that really sustains me, um, and I'm grateful for the for the magic in the world that has always been a part of my life, and the fact that it's that it's still there. Mm. Yeah. That's beautiful. I'm grateful. Actually, I think about this quite a bit. I'm grateful to be me, mm. to, to be built and designed the way that I was when I came in, mm-hmm. to have, you know, the hunger and the curiosity that I have about life, um, to have amazing people that are, you know, resonate with me. To be able to connect with people like we're doing today. I mean, I really am grateful for this call that we've had. Yes. Well, bless you both. (laughs) I really enjoyed this. It just, wow. 
Um, very powerful, both of you. And I really appreciate both what you're doing. And yeah, Ryder was definitely a special person. I can feel that. And there is so much that both of you are doing to help so many other people heal from gr- grief. It isn't an easy subject to talk about and it's not an easy subject to to deal with as well. And I feel like both of you have really helped so many people to really just connect to their light and just be who they're supposed to be in this world. Thank you. Yes. It sounds easy, but it really takes some effort. Yeah. You know, it's simple. It's a simple enough concept, but like Kathy said, we're not raised to do that. We're, you know, so... Um, getting there is the battle. Yeah. Well, thank you, ladies. And yeah, I just keep doing what you're both doing because you're amazing souls. Well, thank um, you. Thank we, you. you are, you are as well. We wish you just nothing but the best. And thank you again. Oh, bless yes, you. this is wonderful. Thank you so much. Wow. What a powerful story and what a powerful journey that Shelley and Kathy have gone through and Shelley's whole family. It's it's not easy dealing with grief and especially the grief of your own, your own child. And I think what I took away from today is that life is too short. Just live life to the fullest. Don't care what other people think and just be present in every moment because that's all we have. Unfortunately, that's the end of the show. Before I leave, I want to leave you with this quote. Grief never ends, but it changes. It's a passage, not a place to stay. Grief is not a sign of weakness, nor lack of faith. It's the price of love. For more information about the show or how to trust your inner light, visit my new coaching program at gerdshundle.com. And remember, stay happy, stay healthy, stay lit. Lit.